I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and literally everywhere And for those on Periscope right now, the Apple Podcast link is actually right above the video window. You can click that, subscribe, leave some comments if you would be so kind. And uh, yeah, so that's where we're available. Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays, dropping two out of the three games. I am Terry Cushman, and I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Stephanie Allen. How are you guys? Frustrated. Don't ask stupid questions, Terry. Let's go. Is the season over? (laughs) I'm done thinking that it's going to be anything but a big letdown. Yeah. I mean, this – and the thing that pisses me off is, like, I – dude, I'm like – like a high schooler again and the girl like bats her eyes at me and I just start yeah. running across the gymnasium to give her a hug. Like I, like, the minute Christian Vasquez said what he said, which was it start, it's starting to feel like last year. I dude, I went to bed. Like I was, could not wait for Saturday's game. Um, and shame on me. That's a me problem. Not an anybody else problem. I, I shouldn't be doing that. They've given us enough to know that that's not, What's going to happen here? Um, they're either going to, you know, get into the wild card and lose like thirteen to one to a team that is half as talented, or, or they're going to do this all year and they're not even going to make their wild card. And you know, but they'll be close enough so that we're not sellers. Um, you know, so we just stick in purgatory of of mediocrity and don't make any moves and don't improve for next year because we think we can still compete this year. So it's great. Really looking forward to the next hundred games. It's gonna fucking suck. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking of the irony of last Sunday when we were talking about going to see the Twins and you guys. We were all wondering how we do, and we went in there and took two out of three, much to all of our surprise and. The thought of playing Toronto was like, whatever, we'll get momentum rolling. And Toronto takes two out of three from us at Fenway. What the actual fuck? And halfway through game yeah. two, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is great. We, we might get a sweep here. You know, we've yeah. got this game one. And I didn't say that out loud or, or, ver- or tweet it. So I didn't like verbally jinx, jinx it. I, I said it in my head. And uh, and then of course we no show today, 
And we're eight games back, which is about what we were at the start of June. So we've literally gone nowhere this month, despite some nice runs, a couple of sweeps against bad teams. And um, it's just, it really is frustrating. So um, we'll get right into it and air out our grievances uh, with heroes and zeros. So Jeremy, go ahead and uh, bat lead off with your hero. So my hero is Christian Vasquez, um, and I'm not going to do a big long thing here other than to say that I was right. Um, he is a much better option at catcher. Um, the fact that he was able to hit a ball that deep into right center at 1130 at night uh, to win a game under the circumstances that he did just goes to show you that you know not only is he capable of being an everyday catcher, and I think he's a top five catcher in the American League right now. Um, I also like he's not he's going to step into the moment and embrace it, which a lot of people can't do. So, um, you know, I, I'm a huge Vasquez fan. That's no surprise to anyone that listens to the podcast. Uh, Leon sucks. That's all for now. Go ahead, Stephanie. If you have any thoughts on it, talking away on mute. That's fun. Um, I totally agree with Jeremy. I'm also a huge Vasquez fan. Uh, he actually stole my hero, so I'm going to get over that. But um, I think Vasquez is great. I I don't worry when he's behind the plate. I don't worry when he's up to bat. I think he does a terrific job all around. And in this series, he was a, a, a very small, bright spot for me. Oh, that reminds me. I forgot to give his stats, I, and I actually charted them. So... He was three for nine with three RBIs in the home run. He had a hit in every game. Game one, he actually pinch hit for Leon. Uh, hit the game-winning home run, two RBIs. Game two, one for three. Two runs scored. Was able to get on base with a base on balls and an RBI. And then today, he was one for four and did strike out three times. So not all positive, but three for nine. He's up to 292 batting average on the year with an 820 OPS, 10 home runs, 28 RBIs. Really, really positive production from a catcher spot. You know, we're getting unbelievable production from from that spot basically just because of him. But anyways, Terry. Yeah, I mean, he hit the walk off in game one. You know, we maybe and probably likely don't win that game uh, if he, you know, if he doesn't do that. Um, he had a terrible defensive series, though, in the seventh inning of Game 2 on Saturday when we epically melted down. Uh, he failed to block a uh, pitch, which actually just went right through his legs, right in front of him, right through his legs, allowed the third base runner to come in and score. That made it a, a one-run game until the other relievers came on. And he did today with what Rick Porcello what he's always done with Rick Porcello for the most part. And he is a, you know, Porcello has a 5.17 ERA this season with, with uh, Vasquez catching him. And there's been some recent starts in there, so we're not going to chalk them all up to uh, April. And, I mean, he, he hurt us in a couple of different ways. And today was just another classic example of him not being able to figure it out, you know, with the pitcher on the mound. Porcello was shaking him off all day long. There was a point in the fifth or sixth inning where Porcello was so frazzled that Vasquez couldn't get the signs right. He had to step off the mound. He did it with his wrong foot, balked in a run, Bach with a B. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, but maybe Porcello should have quit shaking him off through what Vasky told him to throw, and who knows? 
Could have been on. a different day. Hold, Uh-oh. hold on, chemistry is terrible. Let's take a step. Let's take a step back. Did we just blame Christian Vasquez for Porcello not knowing the proper way to exit the rubber? Is that what just took place? Why did Porcello have to exit the rubber, Jeremy? Because Vasquez he's didn't know 12, what the fuck to call. Terrence, he's a twelve-year veteran. Step off the rubber correctly. Right? Are you kidding me? It was you, in the fifth. You can't or, put that on Vasquez. I'm just saying he wasn't. He wasn't able. They weren't communicating well. Their chemistry sucks. And Porcello is coming off the best game of his season so far. Seven scoreless innings against the number one offense in Major League Baseball. Seven scoreless. Start before that. Six and two thirds. Only two runs given up. He's he's been fine with Sandy Leone. There, you can't give me any data from 2016 that says Christian Vasquez can catch Rick Porcello. He won his I Cy mean, Young with look, the other guy. I, I'm not. I'll give you the the failed block. Uh, and they, that was on Barnes. I'm going to get to that guy in a minute. But that that non-block was terrible. So totally agree there. And he has been underachieving defensively all year. I would Absolutely. say. Absolutely. It's not just. It's not just like in a vacuum here in the last week. It's it's he's not been as good as he should be. He's he is capable of being a very good defensive player, and his arm is out of control. Um, as far as like you know the throw he made in the Twin Series to pick off the tying run at third base, or the you know what would have been the winning run. So I'm not disputing that, and I'm not disputing that he can't get on the same page with Porcello. Um, you know, with that said. Respectfully, I don't think you can blame anybody but Rick Porcello. After a 12-year veteran, he's been he's been throwing baseballs competitively at a high level for like 22 years since Little League or whatever it's been for him. They, that there's just no excuse there. Now, with with regards to the fact that he can't get on the same page with with Vasquez, then I'm glad we didn't sign him because I just have no use for that that level of softness. I just I mean, come on, I, like his location was good. He was good early in the game. Um, and he frankly was good, like, you know, at three runs, you should win a game. And they just didn't hit today. So instead of saying, hey, you know, Rick went, you know, uh, what was it? Six innings, three. Uh, six, oh, no, he gave up the, the runs before he left. And then Smith was actually pretty good. So, no, it wasn't good enough at the end of the day. And, I mean, you know, he boxed in a run. That's, you know, that's totally his fault, in my opinion. He hasn't been good enough. I mean, I just refuse to say that he he's... Cy Young, Rick Porcello with one catcher who's, and both catchers are, you know, very talented defensively. The so date, it's not like, it's not like I'm in there catching them, you know. The data it's like supports. It's me and I, I have trouble catching baseballs. The data overwhelmingly supports Sandy Leone catching him. 320 ERA with Leone, 517 with um, Rick Porcello. And just for the fuck of it, because I, I had to compare all the data. Um, Chris Sale with uh, uh, Sandy Leone, 254 on the year, 895 with um, with Vasquez. If you want to cop out and say, okay, well, a lot of those April starts were bad. On May 19th, Leone was on paternity leave. Sale had a career, tied his career high in walks with five, only lasted uh, five innings. And, uh, you know, not good, not good. So I'm not I'm not going to discredit Sandy Leone. He's an elite game caller. 
the, you know, one of the greatest pitchers of our era has said exactly as much. And, uh, you know, I like Vasquez. I thought it was great he hit the walk-off. I thought it was a smart move that Alex Cora took Leon out when Sale came out of the game and put Vasquez in there. I have no problem whatsoever, you know, when that happens. I think Vasquez is a better bat. Is he going to be next year? I don't know. He sucked last year. He was good the year before, sucked the year before that. So, I mean, we're not talking about a, a perennial top five catcher here. We're talking about a guy who's pretty hot, and I, I don't mind riding the hot hand late in games in a pinch hit scenario. And, you know, if you love Vasquez so much, Brock Holt's on the DL, you know, or probably will be. And, you know, so our depth isn't great. Put him at third. Put him at second. Whatever. He's he's able to do it. But when Chris Sale and Rick Porcello are out there, you know, Sandy has to be the guy calling the game. And I'll, I'm going to take a giant step further here, and I'll, I'll fight it. I'll fight it to the death if you want to. We're not a playoff team if Sandy Leone didn't come back. Christian Vasquez isn't going to figure out Chris Sale or Rick Porcello to keep us competitive. Says a lot about Chris Sale and Rick Porcello, in my opinion. But with that said, I will agree with you that I think Leone has to start the Sale Porcello starts. I mean, I'll admit that. Yeah, but I that doesn't that, that doesn't mean I agree with it. Like I, I think I think uh, Chris Sale and Rick Porcello are puppy poo soft, <laughs> and Chris Sale is the fakest tough guy I've ever seen play professional sports. Ooh, in my opinion, that's a hot take. But, I'll let it. I, I'm not even gonna, you know, I I'm, I what? have no desire. I well, I I mean Chris Sale. I mean the guy's a psychopath. I don't. I mean clearly he took freaking. Uh, you, you know, uh, my son's first grade scissors out and cut up a bunch of jerseys because he didn't want him to wear them. <laughs> I mean, that's not tough. That's psycho. Okay, that's, that's fine. You're, I don't. You're, 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 look, and I, and look, I like Chris Sale, I, and I like his competitiveness, and and I like uh, that he was able to pitch out of the bullpen in the playoffs when a lot of elite guys on the verge of becoming an unrestricted free agent wouldn't want to do that. I'm not discrediting. The player. I like the player. I actually lean in the direction of liking the contract that he signed and that he's a Red Sox. I just think for whatever reason, this thing is, it bothers me. I'm not going to change. Terry, you're not going to change. I think no. we've privately admitted that to each other in text messages. So for the listeners, it's like, it's not like we're still like trying to convince each other. We know we're going to agree to disagree, but that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about it. So it is what it is. But I mean, look, it's just, it's puppy poo soft. And, um, Porcello, I also think, is a gamer, and he does so many things well, and I like when he has the ball in his hand. I like when he has the ball in the hand in his hand and starts, we need to win, like today. I really liked him in the start. We typically struggle a little bit against Stroman, and obviously that was the case today again. But, um, you know, I mean, they didn't score runs, so we weren't going to win the game either way. It just so happens that Porcello sucked, and, and uh, I guess some people are going to blame that on the person catching the ball calling the pitches and you know like i said we're going to agree to disagree so i'll just leave it at that okay fair enough stephanie uh go ahead with yours all right oh i did not wow we we went all there just on jeremy's hero <laughs> uh my hero is brock holt um hopefully he's not actually injured because i love what he brings to the team he brings a good spark to the team he manages to get on base he manages to create um runs and offense when the rest of the team is 
not. Um, and he's hilarious. So there's that. He was mine last week, and, uh, you know, it's too bad. It's too bad they sent him home on that play, and he didn't blow yeah, that stop ridiculous. sign. The third base coach actually sent him that time. And, uh, you know, he probably doesn't pull his hamstring if, you know, if the third base coach is a little smarter. So, When does so, Fedless come back? I don't know. <laughs> he was bad, too. I that that's one of just one of those spots where it's a lightning rod spot. Wendell Wavem and Kim used to get a bunch of shit, but I always thought that in you know in the grand scheme of things he was good at it. It's one of those things like umpires and offensive linemen. It, it, you're doing your job. You're good and you're doing your job if we never talk about you. But when you do, it's like because you left a blindside sack to Brady or you blew a call or you know whatever. And that's just one of those lightning rod spots. Third base coaching staff. Now, I like Brock Holt. I think he is, by personality, a leader. I think he brings people together. I love his bat. He's instant offense when he's healthy. Um, he can hit to all uh, sides of the ballpark. He can play multiple positions. Um, he never bitches. Uh, he's, he is, I think, one, capable of being one of the preeminent, quote-unquote, utility players. Like, in, And I'm not talking... Alex Cora, utility player. I'm talking about, and I'm going to space it on his name because I need him right now for my point. He played for the Rays, and then the, now he's playing for the Cubs. Ben Zobris. Oh. Yes, he's a Ben Zobris utility player, which means that he plays every day. He just plays in a different spot every day. Like that, like super utility, right? Now, he was going to be my zero, but I thought it was going to be harsh because I'm just sick and tired of the fact that he cannot stay healthy. And I don't know what it is, and I know like the thing with his son and his scratch corny and all that was kind of like a one-off. But that this guy annoying. just cannot stay healthy. I'm sorry. That was yeah. annoying. I was extremely annoyed by no, that. No, I'm 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 annoyed today by a lot of things. Um, but he's like top three of like the things that are pissing me off today. Like, would you just get fucking healthy and stay that way? What is your problem? Like, this is reaching a level that's like you can't count on him. And I don't care if you are Mookie Betts productive, but if you only play 80 games, you have no use to me. The biggest ability, the most important ability is availability, and he is not available enough. He just isn't. It's so fucking frustrating. And, like, that, this is going to be an unpopular take, and, and the Brock stars are going to come out and say, oh, he's a family man. I'm, I'm a family man. I respect the hell out of Brock Holder's dad and the father and all those things, right? But... I don't, I don't care about that. I care about being available to your team to produce in the role that you were intended to produce. And he's an unrestricted free agent, I think. I, I, I'm so curious about his worth because this – and guys, would anybody be shocked if this is the, his last trip to the DL? I mean, I would put yeah. it at I would put it at less than 50% chance that he has at least one more DL stint in him this year. For what? Could be anything. Sprained toe? You know? <laughs> uh, a cold sore? Uh, flu-like symptoms. I mean, I have no idea, but this guy is not available, and it just pisses me off. And I hate to throw a, he was my going to be my zero into your hero, because, but it just highlights how important he is to the team. Like, if this guy sucks and he's not available, fine. Who cares? No one's going to talk about it. But he doesn't suck. He's a really good, right. productive player. This team needs him desperately, and now right. he's not available. It just fucking piss, pisses me off. I, you know, and he does. You're exactly right, and. Uh, the the whole see 
I got so annoyed with his social media presence and you know a lot of it's kind of gone away during the season so I guess I should stop complaining about it but when his son you know who's the darling of Red Sox you know Instagrams scratches his cornea and then takes him out of action like that's a big deal that's a big deal and it's even more annoying when he's coming off of three or four years with a minimum of two DL stints all that time. And, you know, I mean, it was up there with a Clay Buckholtz cuddling injury from 2013 that took him out for most of the season because he fell asleep the wrong way with his son in his arms. And I just, I mean, we're so thin right now. I guess Devers is going to be back tomorrow, so that's good. But we're going to have Nunez or Hernandez at second now. So Nunez has the better bat, but Hernandez by far the better glove. So pick your poison there. And Hernandez is down to like six four, uh, excuse me, 214 uh, on the season. And we don't really know what he is. I mean, he never killed it throughout the minors. I mean, he adequately moved up to every level and... That was it. So, you know, taking Brock away is huge. I guess if Moreland or Pierce come back, I think Pierce is the closest of the two. You know, maybe you can move Chavis back to second where he was pretty solid. But, uh, you know, it's just another instance of this team, you know, not staying healthy and not firing on all cylinders. I do agree, though, that they put him in a spot that was not fair to the player. But that's what those things happen. And so I'm I'm all in. Like he shouldn't have been running there. Like that was stupid. No question about it. But you should be able to slide into home plate and not get hurt. And like you're a baseball player. That's like one of the things you have to do every fucking day. One other so, thing. I mean, I, I was just gonna raise this question: Are the Red Sox doing something wrong for these hamstring injuries to happen? Like, is their is their program off? You know, pregame or during the game? Do they maybe they need to be hydrating a little more? I just, I just feel like it's actually league wide right now. But you know, we've got it twice this week with Devers and Holt, and extremely lucky didn't, with Devers for sure. Didn't condition enough coming into the season. I don't know. weren't I've always thought Brock Holt carries a little more weight than he should for his frame. Like uh, Pedroia, and I, like Pedroia always what was an appropriate weight for like to me he was never overly bulky or muscly and he was he never came in doughy and Brock Holt like he looks like a soda can and which is fine like you know I'm the last person that should be criticizing people's <laughs> oh physique but, but he does he's he's a soda he's like a cereal box and there's you know I mean he's obviously a very good hit- hitter for a cereal box and he's an average defender especially at balls hit at him he's probably a little bit better than average but at the end of the day, like he he doesn't he's not a like physical specimen by any means. Now with Devers, it's kind of the same thing. Like he's still rounding into shape, and I think in five years, his body type could be so different. Um, but he's still so young, and he's you know developing. He's clearly still developing, which is kind of awesome because you know he's really becoming an elite player. And then by the way, he came in pinch hit and, and hit an RBI single uh, Saturday night uh, in a bat that was very, very nerve wracking when you consider that if he made that hamstring worse and we lost him for a month, what that could mean. So, you know, big moment for him still, that guy's awesome. But 
I don't know, Terry. It's a good question. I mean, there's something going on, and hamstrings are always a problem in baseball because there's so much standing around, and there's just not a lot. I mean, people go into the dugout and sit down. They're not they're not stretching. It's not a continuous thing, especially if it's a cold night. You're out there, um, you know, and then all of a sudden it's been 45 minutes, and all of a sudden you have to, you know, run Correct. home on a play you didn't think you were going to, or all of a sudden there's a ball in the gap and you got to turn and run, and you haven't done it in 45 minutes. So it's just one of those things that's inherent in the game. I don't think the Red Sox are doing it any worse than the rest of the league. Uh, getting into mine, we won't spend much time on this one for sure. Uh, I'm just going to go with Andrew Benintendi. He was 5 for 12, impacted the team in several different ways. Um, you know, scored a couple of runs, drove in a couple of runs, drew a walk, you know, pretty, pretty steady throughout the series. And, uh, yeah, you know, pretty, pretty solid, uh, defensively as well. So... I, he, not, I mean, losing two out of three, there's not many other sexy ones. And I guess, you know, since this is the end of it, I mean, Mookie was five for 12. Uh, Bradley was four for 12. Didn't, didn't have too bad of a series, but, but, uh, nothing, uh, nothing sexy. Chavis, uh, went three for 14, lost his, uh, streak today, was, uh, up to 11 games. So he went 0 for 4. So that's kind of a bummer, but, that had to end sometime. Any thoughts? With Benintendi, yeah. Um, well, typically I always have a thought. But um, Benintendi's one of those guys, I think, where you just pencil him and forget about him, and you just know he's going to be productive. His highs aren't going to be super high, and his lows aren't going to be super low. I mean, he's already got 80 hits, 7 home runs, 36 RBIs. He's got 8 stolen bases. I mean, he's potentially looking at about 180 to 190 hits probably about 18 home runs 80 rbis uh probably end up with 20 bags um he the only thing i'll say about benintendi is as consistent as he is i think his ceiling is a little bit higher than his production i really do believe he can be a 300 hitter uh, his ops is always good he's op- he, i mean i'm sorry he's on base percentage he, he's 360 right now that's kind of what he's going to be. He's he's really good. And then OPS, I, he sh- he should be a low to mid eight hundred OPS guy in my opinion. So, um, but he's a set him and forget him type of guy. And I have a lot of respect for Benintendi. And I'm glad he's a Red Sox. And I'm glad he's going to be here for a long time. So I have no problem with the player whatsoever. You know. And by the way, his demeanor is as neutral as you can be. And everyone seems to like him regardless. So he fits in the clubhouse. Like, you know, I'm, a, I'm clearly a Benintendi guy. I, I just think that he is capable of more. Yeah, I mean, I thought he would be a 30-100 guy perennially. And Bogarts took quite a while to get to where he's at. I mean, it, it, he wasn't really fully balanced, you know, as, as a power hitter until last year. And and he's a great contact hitter as well, Bogarts is. And it, it looks like Benintendi's still kind of trying to find it. Uh, and hopefully he does. But, I mean, he's been more than adequate, especially for a two-hole hitter, you know, getting on base at the clip that he does. And as you were reading off his, uh, you know, his stats and how you project him to be, those are very Pedroia-esque stats, really. And, you know, Pedroia... You ruined them for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pedroia was 18 to 20 Fuck a year. <laughs> you know, but, but you didn't let me finish. And what I was ultimately going to get at, though, Shocker. was was he was he's the exact opposite as far as his demeanor. He's he's just a quiet Pedroia, 
You know, if if that makes any sense whatsoever. Is he? Because I've seen Benny get fired up. He will uh, occasionally. Occasionally. I, he has. Well, that he has. The ALCS was pretty fucking fired up. Yeah. He. he um, here's the thing. I. One, by the way, before people go crazy on that comment, I was clearly joking because I don't think Benintendi is going to stage a coup and attack Dennis Eckersley. I think that if Benintendi got, got an improper slide while he was covering a bag, which I don't see happening because he's an outfielder, but let's say he's in a rundown situation, someone slides high and hits him in the knee, I don't think he's going to take the other team's side when your team defends you. And I ultimately think that um, – the production from Pedroia, as long as it was, is, was uh, was fine, and and I, you know, I, I thought Pedroia was a good player, and and for a very long time, and he'll probably be inducted into the Red Sox Hall of Fame. Although I don't necessarily think he played long enough and had enough production to be so, but and I think Benintendi will be a potentially similar player. I think he could be here until his mid thirties, um, because he hasn't popped. Uh, his contract situation shouldn't pop as well. Um, he turns 25 in two weeks. The other thing that people forget about is people think he's, you know, this is, I think, his third year in the league, and people think he's younger than he is, but he played, I think, three or four years at the University of Arkansas, so he's not. He came in, he played one year in the minors, and then he was here. So he'll be 25 in two weeks. I mean, in the next year or two, we're going to find out what his ceiling is. The thing with Bogarts is he was an international signee if i recall correctly and he was up real early and his body was not was not put through like the benintendi was in a four-year college strength and conditioning program that's not what bogarts was so um i do get the comparison especially because there are slighter frames especially at this age but uh, you know uh xander continues to get better by the way so but I look, I like the player. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he could be here for a long time. And this is entering into a long segment when Terry said it wouldn't. So Terry lied. <laughs> Let, let's just take it a step further because we're, all we're going to do is of bitch course. after this. Um, you know, with Mookie, we're assuming he's not going to be back. We don't know if he could potentially be traded this summer, this offseason, maybe next July 31st. But one way or the other, you know, we – collectively agree that he probably won't be back. So that should free up some money to possibly give Devers or Benintendi, you know, a contract similar to what Bregman just signed. And, you know, Bregman, you know, his he's playing at a higher level than those two. So, I mean, I, I just, I think that's a decent enough comp because I think that would be about the ceiling, you know, that they could sign for an early extension, you know, before hitting the open market. But I'd love to see it happen because then at that point, you, you got Devers, Benintendi, like I said. You got Bogarts for a little while. You're going to have Chavis for six more seasons after this. And, you know, the you know the same would be said if, if Dahlbeck makes it up or um, I don't know if Chatham will at this point or not. But, um you, you you have a pretty strong core, I guess, is what I'm saying long term. If uh, if Dombrowski can make a move like that, so this is one of those rare good points by Terry. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, uh, but no. In all seriousness, I I love this point. I love this topic, and I don't want to go longer than I have to on Bregman. Bregman is 
the ceiling. And if he's the ceiling, I'm okay with whatever Benintendi comes in under that. Um, I think if Dever continues to produce, makes an all-star team, maybe potentially wins a silver slugger, he becomes a problem financially. And if, again, if, if Bregman's the, 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 the cap, then I'm okay with it. Because again, Bregman, I don't care how good Dever slugs. Bregman's an elite defensive player. Devers is not, although he's much better. But, you know, so I'm okay with that. You're the Red Sox. You can do that. Buy out the arbitration. Give the, the player the, the comfort that he's going to be here. And then let him go out and produce for half a decade. Uh, but but totally agree. Devers is signed through 2023 uh, through his arbitration year. So you have, including this year, five more years. Ben Intendi, they're not going to, Ben Intendi's going to be here. He's, he's going to be here. Uh, uh, Bogarts. Uh, like you said, Chavis Vasquez still has two year more two more years on his deal, and I think uh, he'll be here. Leon's going to be here. The pitching staff's uh, relatively signed with Sale, uh, Evaldi. That's a, obviously a question mark. Um, Erod. So I do like it. The question is going to become center. What are they going to do in the post JBJ situation? Because um, he's not worth his arbitration numbers, and if they sign him to like a four year, forty million dollar deal, they're out of their mind. Um, and then Betts is gone. I, I have zero doubt about it. And that that's a huge question mark. Um, so you have center right. I think to some extent second base is a problem. Obviously, the pitching staff, there's no depth in the organization. And that's where Betts becomes so important to moving him. Because you can fill potentially all of those needs with prospects by just trading Mookie Betts. So here's how I would handle that. And then I'll move on. Go into the offseason, because they're not going to trade him this year. They're, they're going to be in it. They're not going to walk away from him this year. Go into the offseason. Do your best. Put your best money on the table. See what he says. He's going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Trade his ass and get every... every Find that dumb team. Find that dumb team that's going to, one, pay him $400 million, and two, is going to give you give you you know their farm system to do it. And do it. Don't wait around. Don't let what happened to Washington with Harper happen. Go fill... The pitching, the center field, the right field, the bullpen. I didn't even mention the bullpen, obviously. Jesus, the bullpen sucks. So, I mean, I just that's the way I see it, like, as an organizational, like, um, uh, barometer where we are. Yeah, and that's that's fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why don't we uh, get into our zeros now? Um, and uh, Yeah, I liked, Terry, how you said earlier – you wanted to finish because the rest of the show is going to be bitching because yeah. we haven't been bitching. I'm just kidding. Yeah, Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Barnes. Matthew Barnes. He was actually good in game one. Um, one inning, zero hits, two Ks. He's been overworked, right? And he sucked in that game. His curveball sucked. Two innings, uh, uh, sorry, uh, two-thirds of an inning, two hits, three runs all earned, two walks. He sucked. I mean, he sucked really, really hard. Um, and he's my zero. But Jesus Christ, Dombrowski, are you sleeping at the switch? Like, are you the guy that ran Chernobyl and you just, like, took off your mask and now you're Dombrowski? Like, what are you doing, dude? Can you do something to help? How many times are you going to run Brazier and Barnes out there on two to three days in a row? Like the, I mean, I, I was I was shocked he didn't pitch today. Why not run him out there today? So I mean, look, the player didn't get the outs, and it's the player's obligation to get the outs. And if he can't get the outs, he should be telling Cora, "Look, I, I can't get outs today. I can't get you outs today." 
But that's not what happened. So, I mean, you know, a lot of it is he's being put in that spot, and that's why just I'm, I'm just my Dombrowski hatred meter is rising, like the temperature yeah. down here in South Florida. I think it's uh, growing. He's just he sucks. The bullpen sucks. The fact that he hasn't addressed it still is like I, I really do think he's he's like taking naps when like most teams are like looking at how to improve their team. So, but it's Barnes. He sucked. There's no question about it. And then his the reason why I specifically picked Barnes because I could have picked Brazier, I could have picked Dombrowski, yeah. I could have picked Chorus for his use of the bullpen. But the reason why I picked Barnes is because he specifically s- shifted this entire series. The series was going one way. He pitched terribly, and it just went the total other way the rest of the way. And so that's why I picked Barnes. Yeah, well, we are getting a major addition on Tuesday. Like you know this, right? The, the a major what? A major addition to the bullpen on Tuesday. What, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. He's been good at AAA, I guess. I mean, I, and I like right. I mean, not the not the off-field stuff, I think. But yeah, I don't want to get into the whole thing, domestic thing, and the steroid. You and everyone knows how I feel about steroids. If you're not taking them, you're an idiot. But, um, <laughs> I mean, he's he needs – he I he's going to help. There's no question. And he's going to help – in those starts like today's start where Porcello was bad, uh, he's the perfect guy to finish off a game, you know, like today. So I do so think he Dom- has value. So is Dombrowski like you, Jeremy? He He's like the fl- flirting with the schoolgirl. You know, he he's ready to make the calls. He's ready to get in on the action. He's ready to help our bullpen, and then we win him back over. Or maybe he's waiting for Wright to come back oh, and see how that so goes and see how things settle. He's trying to see how things settle out before he makes any moves. I'm just saying. No, no. In my hypothetical, in in my asking for a friend, tell your friend this is how I'd like to answer the question. (laughs) Dombrowski's the nerd that has no athletic ability, that has an acne problem, that sits in the corner of the gym and just does nothing the whole time. (laughs) Well, with Stephen Wright here, I mean. I, he's not going to be eligible for the postseason, so I mean, he's only a temporary player that'll hopefully help us help us get there. But he's ineligible because of the um, eighty-game suspension, and he had the same exact surgery as Pedroia, which apparently is not something an athlete should be having, and I don't think any more athletes will be having it, you know, during their career, and. You know, but that being said, where he's only pitching a you know uh, inning or two per appearance, and, and I'm guessing it, it wouldn't be more than three or four a week. You know, it, a little less wear and tear than standing out, you know, in, in the infield for you know every top half of the inning or whatever. So. You know, so I, I really don't know what to expect. I mean, he did steroids because he had to do them. And I, we won't get into it, but Jeremy and I are on opposite sides. I don't really condone it. I understand why he did it. I mean, he's 34, 35 years old, and that was the only reason, that's the only way he could continue playing. And then he did it, and he got popped, you know, because he was trying to expedite his recovery. And Terry, on, that, on the steroid thing, let me ask you a question. If a player is faced with the end of his career or steroids to continue his career, Put yourself in his shoes. What would you do? Yeah, you've asked me that before, and it's an extremely tough question to to answer. I mean, maybe maybe I would, 
but uh, you know it's I still have a huge ethical thing. It's like when I'm playing cards. This is a legit thing. I I play cribbage competitively. That's my nerdy hobby. Sometimes my opponent's hands will be will be low, and I'll be able to see their cards. Instantly, I look away because I'm like, I just I don't want to get caught looking, and I just I have a guilty conscience. So I mean, if I was a player that did steroids, it would probably be doing a number on my conscience, and and that's just me. I'm not everyone. Maybe maybe I'm in the bottom five percent. I don't know, but I I I don't condone it. It was HGH, so that's the lesser of the two evils. You know, A Rod was taking anabolic steroids, and and I have a much bigger problem with that. Um, and, and they're juicing baseballs now, so who the fuck needs steroids anyway? You know, those kind of steroids. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so that's, that's how I feel with, about that. With right, and uh, I just totally disagree with you. And if anyone's sitting there saying I wouldn't take steroids to make $1.375 million, which is his uh, base salary, you're, I, I really don't think you're being honest with yourself. Um, I would have taken them if, if I could have gotten over the hump. Um, a hundred percent. I find myself to be an ethical person, um, but there's, I don't know that that steroids. I mean that that broadens the the, the question, and that's not what tonight's going to be about. So I'll just move on from that. Now, with with regards to his, um, his worth to this team, I'm hopeful that he can potentially build up to seventy five to ninety five pitches or better and be that fifth option. Because if look, if the fifth option is not going to improve, because frankly, it's not going to. I mean, maybe Evaldi comes back, but like, there's just no organizational depth, and the odds are that there's going to be another issue that pops up. And the what Dombrowski has to do is improve the bullpen. Like, there, he's got to improve the bullpen by two arms before he can address the fifth starter spot, and we have no prospects to do any of it. So if Wright can step in and be that fifth guy through the balance of the season and then, you know, go off into his continued uh, suspension, it doesn't matter because at that point you're a three to four starter in the, bull- in the, in the postseason anyways. Thank you for getting us here, but we'll, and we'll see in a couple months for 2020. But I don't have a problem with that. Um, I think this guy has worth. Um, when that thing's moving, he can be as good as Tim Wakefield was. Um, and he's a little bit more dynamic than Tim Wakefield because he can he can throw it in the mid 80s, um, and his fastball that can be super sneaky. His fastball can be 86, 87, which you know. So if he could just stay healthy, which again is a big problem, a lot like Holt, um, and he can solidify either a depth spot in the bullpen or even work into that fifth spot. I think he has a lot of value to this team to try to get to the postseason. So I'm I'm glad he's back. Um, you know, I, I don't have any issue with the steroids uh, whatsoever, and uh, I'll you know I'll just say it outright. If I was him, I would have done it a hundred percent. I don't think and that's the way he's going to be slotted, though. I mean, I agree, I, you know, with you for wanting it, but I just don't think his legs going to hold up, and I, I really think they believe Evoldi is going to be the fifth starter. You know, as much as I'd love to and see I'm him a- in the bullpen, and I think you're right, and I think you're right both both ways. Yeah, but. Um, he's better than Smith. He's better than Velasquez. He's, I mean, and I don't want to go through the whole, like, who's he yeah. better than in the, than the current bullpen, but There's look, when, when that everyone. thing's moving, and here's the great thing about the knuckleball, the bullpen coach can, can call in and be like, it's not doing it tonight. 
you know, and and Wakefield was famously bad in wet conditions or overly humid conditions. So, you know, it's one of those situations where if you know he doesn't have it, you just don't use him, um, especially if he's in the bullpen. So, um, I think he, like I said, I, I like I, I'm glad that he'll be back. I'm, I think he's going to create uh, opportunities for Cora to use him, both in high leverage situations and in just eating innings. So, and then, but. Terry, your last point's the big point is, I mean, is this going to be like three outings and then he's out with a knee injury and, the, the, you know, just totally useless? And that's a real possibility. It's a huge wild card. Let me just, because Barnes was the call out, I just want to make one brief point on him uh, before we move on. Zero. He, <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he faced six batters in this last appearance, and uh, I can't remember if you went through them, but he gave up two hits. Um, walked two as well, and then got charged with the three earned runs. But I think Brazier was on the mound when those runs came in, which is another. I wanted to roast Cora for that, but I I was thinking, well, who's left? He already went with Walden. Um, I I don't think he could have went with Smith because he he went three innings the night before was pretty impressive in that. Um, and then, I mean, everybody was used up, but, I mean, Brazier just is not the guy with inherited runners. But Barnes put him in that position. And I'm looking, I got his log up right in front of me. I mean, it doesn't look terrible, you know. I mean, he's not walking a ton of guys. He hadn't given up, an, hadn't been charged with an earned run uh, since the uh, first Texas start on uh, June 2nd. Um, you know, so... His numbers aren't glaringly bad, but in every start, it seems like he's going 25, 30 pitches and just barely hanging in there. And in the first game of this series, he had uh, he had basically a 1-2-3 inning and was getting guys out on his fastball. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe more fastball, less curveball at this point. But but then, you know, the, the game in question, he, he was terrible. So I just... I don't know how sustainable he's going to be, especially laboring that hard, you know, in almost every outing, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's if you have eyes, it's tough to disagree with that, I would say. And trust me, (laughs) I would love to disagree with you, Terry, but I don't think I can do it here. I, and I love Barnes, so I hope he figures it out. You know, but who knows? I mean, he's he's a roller coaster I, I, every I think year. It's so overused. It's overused. Any time you have a bigger body, um, like the the like, people are surprised to know that the average like good golfers like five eight to five ten, um, you know, like bowlers, the the, the repetitive delivery sports, um when you're smaller, there's just less that can go wrong. And Barnes is a big kind of gangly, goofy looking dude. And there are, there, there are innings where I'm watching him. And as a major league player, it sometimes each wind up and delivery looks a little bit different and you just shouldn't be saying that. Um, and so I don't know if he just, he has a real hard time repeating his delivery. Randy Johnson, you know, fought it a lot. He was huge and gangly. Uh, he overcame it because his stuff was like you know plus plus in every single capacity. And and Barnes has some issues, especially when you're in high leverage situations and you're not a starter, you're a bullpen guy. 
you you can't afford to be walking people, and he will he will just lose it. There's a, there's a tick off, or his you know his his delivery is a little bit different for whatever reason, whether it's fast, whether it's slow, and then his arm tries to catch up, or it tries to decelerate to get back to where he needs it to be to throw strikes. It, he just he's not consistent enough with his delivery, in my opinion. Um, so you know, and I and I could be wrong here. I'm I'm uh, I'm not by any means a pitching expert, but I just with, with the way he, his delivery, his size, it just seems like sometimes things go wrong because there's a lot that has to happen for his re- delivery to be repeated accurately. Absolutely, and hopefully he figures it out. Stephanie, who do you have? I have Nunez. Uh, I wish we didn't have a Nunez, but uh, right now he's my zero, at least for this series. I just feel like he's a liability defensively. I can't count on him offensively. Um, Nunez. And I know that we have, you know, we're battling a little bit of a depth issue right now, but uh, he he's my zero. Terrence? Um, hard to argue, you know. He's... Uh... Whether it's base running, fielding, I, I just he makes me nervous. I'm constantly nervous when he's in a game, and if there's something he can mess up, I'm going to assume that he's going to. I'm not gonna. I don't have that feeling of like, oh, you know, when JBJ is in center field, oh, he's got it, Mookie. Oh, Mookie's got it. I never think Nunez has it. There's never a time when I'm like, oh, that's coming his way. Easy out. No way. I don't want to totally bash the player because I don't think he's like a terrible player, and um, he definitely won't be back next year. Um, he's on an expiring contract, and he was really signed because of the issues with Pedroia. But I just think they're now resided to the fact that they got to find a long term a long term situation, so he's gone. No one, and I mean no one, can roll over on a slider off the plate on a ground ball to short like Nunez. I mean, this guy should write a book on how to do it. He, sw- he he has no plate discipline. He gets himself out all the time on pitches that are not in the strike zone. Um, he does have upside. He's got. A, I think he's got a. He's got really good hands, which is one of the reasons why he's so willing to go outside the strike zone. But he's not Nomar. Uh, he's not Vlad Guerrero. Um, he's he's not good at it. Um, he doesn't hit for a high average. He just frankly doesn't slug enough. And then he's. A defensive player that's not good at balls at him, which is like the worst thing you could say about a defensive player. And then his range, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the ability to go out and make plays that are, you know, outside of his comfort zone. So, I mean, look, he's he's going to be a major league player in a different organization for another three to four or five years. But it's not going to be here, and I'm okay with it. So, I, I mean, he's just, he's so deficient in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we got him from the Giants and out here, everybody's like, oh, you got Nunez. You're so lucky. Killer third baseman. Oh, Nunez, Nunez. I've yet to see it. I'm like, yeah, thanks, guys. You can have a Pomerant. Well, well, look, he, he's had he's he, look, he hit the home run. Yes. In the playoffs. And that was a that was a big catalyst. And, and he when he was traded, he was our best offensive player for that season until he hurt his knee. Uh, and then he played in, in a series he shouldn't have played in his first step at. He literally crippled down the first baseline, couldn't make it more than 20 feet, and had to be taken out. And we eventually lost that series to the Angels, I believe. So, look, I'm, I don't want to be overly negative. The player has 
been good at times. He is feast or famine. He's either raking or he's not. Um, and I think he could be pitched around in circumstances where he could produce a run because he just doesn't swing at pitches inside the strike zone. Or I'm sorry, he swings at pitches outside the strike zone. So I, he's had a super important home run in the playoffs last year. Basically carried us to the playoffs three years ago. But he just does a lot of things poorly, and this te- and he doesn't fit the way he did three years ago. The, the team has evolved, the rest, roster has evolved, and he's not an answer anymore, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, Terry, well said. You he, you know, he, every now and then he'll come up with a huge hit to kind of, you know. He's flirting with this again. Yeah, exactly. Batting his eyelashes. You know, and when, <laughs> just to say my piece, he, when he was, when he arrived here in 2017, we, we all wanted Mike Moustakis at third base. Like, he was the sexy third baseman, and we got stuck with Nunez because we didn't want to, we had to get under the luxury tax by the end of the year to reset the penalties. So, we, you know, Nunez was affordable. That's what we had. And I remember, I remember him coming off the field, you know, because I heard he was on hug watch or whatever. And so I was watching the Giants game, and sure enough, he comes off the field. And I didn't know that it would be the Red Sox, but it ended up being him. And he was a spark plug for a few months till he went down with a knee injury, literally right before the playoffs. And he was hitting like 320-something that year, had a similar year the year before, but he just hasn't been that guy. And as Jeremy said, he's on an expiring contract. This year was actually a player's option. He signed a four-year deal last year with a four-year player's option, which meant Nunez himself decided if he was coming back on on a four-year deal. So... But we, we got a ton of depth there, and I'm guessing some of the minor leaguers will be up anyway. And, you know, he's gone. And as Jeremy mentioned earlier, uh, Holt is also on an expiring deal. I do kind of expect him to be back, but who knows. My uh, my zero is, um, uh, you know, not, not a ton to pick from really, but... Um, I'm going with uh, J.D. Martinez. He was 3-for-13. Two of those three hits came in that first game. He was 1-for-4 yesterday, 0-for-4 today. Just doesn't look like himself. And I'm just starting to wonder when we're going to see it, if we're going to see it. Yeah, he's really been struggling offensively for a while now, and it's it's disheartening. (laughs) And... um, it's scary. It, you know, him and Mookie, we need them to catch fire. And, you know, I also see JD and Mookie as leaders on the team. And so they kind of set the tone. And right now they're both, well, JD especially is definitely struggling. And what was that game? Uh, was it where he had like seven strikeouts? Like unbelievable. Is like that- the first time in his career. It wasn't in the series. It was in no, the Flames, right? It, the previous series, yeah. It was. I think it was yeah, five, yeah, but, five strikeouts, I mean, but yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Not a good night. Um, he's hurt. <laughs> I'm convinced of it. I'm just convinced of it. He's hurt. His approach is too disciplined. He's too selective. He attacks pitches in the middle part of the plate. I. He's not... Like, right now, he's afraid to swing at pitches inside. When he does, he inside-outs the ball. Um, 
he's hurt. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a bruise on the bone that sits on the back of the bat. Like he got jammed a week ago and that, that, that things just bruised and it, and I've been there and that sucks. Um, and, uh, if that's happening, then that could, you know, that could result in a week or two slump. Um, or it's a wrist or it's an oblique or it's something, but he's hurt. He just is. He's too good. He's too analytical. He's too smart. Um, he, his pitch selection is, 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 is elite. Um, the way he attacks pitches and understands what they're going to do, his, his preparation, understanding what the pitchers are going to try to do to get him out. He's just too good at all that other stuff to then say, this is the result. So I'm choosing to accurately point out to everyone that he's hurt. I, I mean, Terry? yeah, I, and you could be right. I mean, I, I don't want to say one way or the other, but I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So now can I just say one more thing? Sure. If he underachieves here for a little while and it results in him staying in Boston and then he reverts back, like I couldn't be happier because he needs to be here for us to be relevant in the next five years. We're going to lose bets. He's gone. Like everyone that thinks that just out of their mind. That bets is going to come back, but JD could could and should be here, even if it's a moderate uptick in salary to buy out the the the, the um, opt out years. Like I think he should be here, and if it's going to cost us just a little bit less because of this whatever he's going through now, like okay, fine. Now we got to start winning games, so it can't go on forever. But um, you know, my and that's just like my perfect little like world where. He struggles for a couple weeks, and you know they find a way to make maybe make it work even on the London trip or the All Star break, and figure out the contract, and uh, and then maybe with the days off, they've got a really wonky schedule here for the next like fifteen days. Um, he'll get healthy and he'll be back, and he'll come out of the All Star break raking. So, uh, hopefully, I mean it's it's painful to have production like what he's given you in the middle of the order where he's only really coming through for you every third or fourth game. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we get that figured out. Um, Especially when Mookie's hitting 264, Devers is out with a hamstring and you just lost Holt. Right. So it's, it's and there's no for like Chavis has been okay, but with no Willen, no Pierce, and when they've been in there, their production hasn't been great. I mean, it's it's unfortunate because you have to blame JD, and but it's just a, it's. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's just it's a systematic issue, you know. But you're right. I mean, a hundred percent. Like when these guys are down, you got to look at your your, you know, your middle of your lineup, and you gotta say now you got to produce until we can we can lengthen the lineup by getting our our guys back healthy. So. Yeah, and just uh, just kind of a couple of general things before we get into the uh, you know the uh, Chicago series um, with Moreland and Pierce. I was just thinking, and this was before Holt got hurt, and maybe even a night or two before Devers got hurt. I was just thinking, you know, Devers has been great, uh, you know, at third, Bogey at short. I like Brock Holt you know, in the lineup at second a lot of days. And I don't want anybody but Chavis at first. So I'm like, if there's two guys I couldn't really give a fuck about, it's it's Moreland and Pierce at this point. And, I mean, who do you take time away from, at, really? I, I'm not saying they're not important. I mean, Moreland had some huge moments in the playoffs, and, and Pierce was the World Series MVP, but... 
I mean, I just don't know whose hands I want to take the bats out of at this point. So for me, this is an easy answer. Um, Steph, do you want to take first crack at it? And, no, and go I'll, ahead. I'll... It's all good. Um, all right. Um, to me, look, Moreland's a X or he not X. That's not how you say it. He won a gold <laughs> glove playing first base, and he is a he is a plus defender, and. So I think he's clearly the option when coupling the fact that he's a left-handed bat. Chavis is a right-handed hitter, hits for power, slugs. That's what his MO is. He's been, by the way, way better defensively than I thought he was going to be. Um, he's a basically a younger, better, higher upside Pierce who's eventually going to not be a first baseman and play every day somewhere else. So it just, to me, like... Whatever Pierce is, which is a, a a pinch hit average to slightly above average defensive player against left-handed pitching, like that can be that can be Chavis now, and so it just makes Pierce so expendable. Um, but but Moreland does the things that that Chavis doesn't do. One, he's a plus defender, so I'm all in on going and getting a big hit and then coming out in the seventh inning with the lead, so that Moreland goes in, plays defensively, and gives you that, that you know, that upgrade there in late-game situations, you know, scooping a ball with two outs in the ninth to win a game where Chavis has been really bad at that. He's made bad decisions, too. He made some bad decisions in the series. There are times when you hold the bag and try to scoop it, and then there are times when you become a backstop and stop it, and he just not he hasn't played enough to make the right decision. So um, I did miss Moreland in a couple of those situations. So for me, um, especially if Holt's back, he's at second. Marco is your utility guy. Devers, Xander, all, you know, that's what it should be. And then you go Chavis, um, maybe even as your starter with Moreland as, you know, the the platoon left-handed option for first base. That's how I have it. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree with that. I agree. The people who are coming back, I'm less than thrilled with, right? Like, Pierce, I don't see us having a big need for if we get, you know, if everyone's healthy, and that's a big if. If you've got Brock Holt back, you've got Devers back, then you do create, you know, what are you, a log jam? I love that term. <laughs> a log jam of infielders. So I think Moreland's the better bet there. He is a left handed batter, um, he is great defensively. I'm repeating everything Jeremy said. So that's that. I got some different stuff though, and I'm I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. You know, I um, I think one of them probably won't be here. You know, by the end of July. But um, with Pierce, it seems like his slumps are less painful than Moreland's. Um, and that's aside from initially getting called back up. I mean, Pierce was painful the first month or so, but once he gets right and he gets in a rhythm, I think he's a little less painful with his slumps and he's a little bit more versatile. He was seeing some time in left field back when, uh, like in late April when Pedroia was still here and, and whatnot. So I think... I think he can kind of be a little bit – you can platoon him a lot easier, I guess, is what I'm saying, if you really want to keep Chavis in the lineup. If you're facing a lefty, 
you know, Bradley eventually is going to tail off, so that might be the perfect time to slot him in left, move Benny over to center. Um, you know, if Chavis doesn't match up well with another team, you know, within the division that, that he sees a lot, um, then maybe Pierce comes in at, uh, you know, first base. So I see a little bit more versatility there. I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with me. I think that, you know, just a huge part of this fan base loves Mitch Moreland and, you know, and that's that. And, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to cry over which one gets put where, but I do see Pierce as the more versatile of the two. Totally disagree. And it's not because I have some affinity for Moreland. Like I, I just think that in, in a vacuum in this season, what we need um, I think that Chavis and Pierce are a duplicative player at this point, and one is young and under long-term contract. Um, and uh, the only thing you lose, I think, with Chavis is obviously a little bit of defense, but uh, the upside offensively is tremendous, and he's been staying healthy. Um, I will say, Terry, uh, probably two or three podcasts ago, you had some suggestion that maybe Chavis uh, should be sent down, and I know you talked about it briefly um, on the law, on the last podcast that he was able to come out of it, uh, during, you know, staying in the major leagues, which is a sign of he should be here. And I just want to highlight that to me, Chavis is a big league player and I wouldn't fuck with him because I think ultimately he's going to be an everyday player, whether it's at second or short or DH or whatever. Um, maybe the situation, you know, Benny to right when Betts leaves and you put Chavis in left, but he's going to be here. I wouldn't fuck with him. Um, I'd let him continue to get, you know, five starts a week or whatever maybe. Yeah, and just to go over Pierce's numbers from last season, um, 279, 394, 507, smaller sample size than uh, Moreland, but I just, I just see him, you know, getting into a better rhythm. And, you know, even though he's a couple of years older than Moreland, I just kind of trust his health, you know, a little bit more as well. So... I mean, it's fine. I like Mitch Moreland, so if we keep him, that's fine. But I just, I just, I think he's going to be the less productive of the two, uh, at least, you know, offensively. All right. So the White Sox are coming to town. They are. That's normally. Uh, normally, I would say this is a shitty program, and we should just kick the shit out of them. Uh, but we just lost to the Blue Jays, and they suck. So I mean, let's let's break it down. Who wants to hit us with the with the probables for Game One? Uh, I'll go through them if you guys don't mind. I got a bunch of notes. Um, game One, uh, probably the scariest of them all. Lucas Giolito uh, got knocked around for six runs in his last start against Minnesota. No surprise there. And that's a division rival, so they, they see him pretty frequently. Um, but up until getting shelled in that uh, outing, he had several quality starts in a row. In fact, nine straight. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I got my notes mixed up. He gave up six earned runs to the Cubs, who he never sees probably just once a year. So still a robust team that could, you know, make anyone look bad. But, uh, but be that as it may, still nine straight uh, quality starts. Uh, against the Red Sox in May, he uh, had five innings, gave up seven hits, uh, three earned runs, walked two, struck out seven. 
um, and went on, you know, from there on, uh, you know, was pretty solid and, and quite frankly, a, a Cy Young contender, probably top five anyway. So he's going up against Rodriguez, who is coming off of two straight seven-inning appearances, uh, one very good, albeit against Baltimore, and then he gave up four runs against uh, Minnesota before retiring several batters in a row. But uh, and he, uh, let's see, against the um, against the uh, he faced the White Sox in May as well, and uh, very solid six innings, only gave up one earned run, struck out six. So um, those are. Uh, those are the pitchers and, you know, how they're trending. So which Red Sox are showing up for this game? Are they showing up fired up, mad, they're bringing their bats, they're awake? Or are they the Red Sox we've seen the past two games who are asleep at the plate, look like they could care less? Which ones? What's your, what's your, well, what's your guess? The Stroman situation's, I think, explainable because that guy's a legitimate right. two on like twenty-five of the thirty teams. Right. The guy's changeup's nasty. He's competitive. He pitches in the strike zone. Doesn't back down. You know that guy's legit. Like so, I'm fine with that. Now, th- they dominated game two until the bullpen basically fucked the whole thing up, and then they just weren't able to overcome it, which True. is fine. Like that shit yeah. happens. So, uh, while I'm butthurt about the Blue Jays series, I do think that they're gonna they're gonna overcome and because the Chicago they suck. They're gonna come bat their eyelashes at you, Jeremy. <laughs> they're, they're gonna what? I'm sorry, I muted into a sneeze there. They're gonna come bat their eyelashes at you. <laughs> Tease well, like, you, play yeah, real well, yeah. get you all excited. I mean, they have a they have a ton of talent. They have some young guys. Uh, including guys that we've sent over there that are problematic. Terry's already uh, highlighted Giolito ten and two on a bat on a team that's actually probably overachieved, but they're not a good. They're not a good. They're not a playoff contender. Um, you know, it's it. They, this is a team that could beat us. Um, I don't think they have enough to sweep us with the way we we've got Erod Price and Sale in the series. We do. If we if we get swept. Like I'm not coming on the podcast Wednesday. I'm just not going to be willing to talk about it. <laughs> or so, right, two out of three. Say all even. kinds of things about what's going to happen. I do, then, I do mm-hmm. think they win two or three here. I think the key to whether or not they have the ability to sweep the series, obviously, is tomorrow night, like Terry hit on. But I, I do. I mean, look, Sale against Reynaldo Lopez, who's four and seven with a six two three ERA. Like Sales, right. and this is his next team. Remember that he's going to be up for the start. Right. He's going to dominate. Bryce is, I think, going to be better coming off his last 10 days and we've talked about that extensively so i'm not going to get into it but um i feel really strongly they're going to win tuesday and wednesday so tomorrow i think is you know they got to find a way to beat giolito they got to find a way to get an e-rod five runs and you know and then i feel really good about the rest of the series and there's just the red sox are so talented that i refuse to believe that they're not going to get hot and even with these two losses i think we're eight of our last 11 so if you just go back to winning in the series, I mean, you're fine. You're still the hottest team in baseball. So, Isn't that kind of anomaly this year, though, that we're under 500 at home, that we're playing some of our worst baseball at Fenway? 
Yeah, and it's so fucking frustrating because normally yeah. that's one of the things we lean on, and they're not doing it this year. It's a good point, and I'd, I would love to hear an explanation that makes sense. I really would, but it, there isn't one, and you know, <laughs> there's it, not one, just like this team this year. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a microcosm of their whole entire the whole entire thing's an underachievement, and so why wouldn't they underachieve at home? You know, right. why wouldn't why wouldn't their best player, their biggest superstar, Mookie, underachieve? I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, everything's explainable because they're just systematically underachieving. So, I mean, look, this is, again, they got to win these games because the London trip is going to cause problems. I'm just convinced. Even if they split with the Yankees, they're going to come back. They're going to struggle because of the the, the travel and the the fuckery that goes on with the London thing. And then they go right into the all-star break, and, you know, you just don't know if you're going to come out of that sharp or not. So, I mean, these games are so goddamn important. And, by the way, the Yankees keep winning. I think the Rays won today. So you got to keep winning games. you just got to do it. You, you mean, and now Cleveland has jumped you in the wild card. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't think they're going anywhere because they've got one of the top probably five starting pitching rotations if healthy in the entire league so i mean they're not going this is going to be a problem here if we don't start beating teams especially like the white Sox, which who we should beat. they've got some kids that have been called up especially in the rotation that are pitching really well i don't know if that's police act i haven't really looked into it or or bieber you know was pitching well last i knew so they definitely do bear watching um, game two, David Price. I mean, the thing to look for here is where is his mind at? You know, I mean, he took himself out of game five after 73 pitches, we, and that was against the Twins. We only had a one-run lead, so we kind of could have used an extra inning or two at least, you know, provided he, he didn't really exceed 100 pitches. And, you know, so that was a little odd. Only went one and one-third in his start before against Texas and gave up something like five or six runs in that one. So um, hopefully, you know, he doesn't quit here. Hopefully, you know, he he shows up and, and does what he needs to do. In the May start, he was okay against them. He... Uh, went six innings, gave up three runs, uh, struck out five. But um, so not really. This isn't a team he should struggle with. There's nothing on paper that says that this should be a bad start. So if it ends up being a bad start, that's going to be extremely concerning going forward as far as where he's at, you know, mentally or physically. Because I think the mental thing is is – is real. Don't disagree. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he, he's up against a TBA starter, so there's nothing to really break down there. If he's remotely, you know, himself and goes at least six, uh, you know, that, that should be a win for us. And uh, you guys kind of talked about the Ronaldo Lopez, Chris sale start, um, Lopez sucks. He's every bit as bad as his six point whatever ERA. Um, he did face us in the May series as well. Gave up eight hits on six earned runs. So uh, we should tattoo him again. Uh, Sale also pitched that series. Six innings pitched, no earned runs, struck out ten. So he was dominant. But the thing to watch there is, you know, can he command his slider? 
He hasn't really done that since the fifth inning of the Baltimore start, which was two starts ago. Um, so some things to just kind of watch there. You know, hopefully he's not breaking down. Um, you know, he, he looks a lot like he looked in his third or fourth start when he was kind of starting to figure it out. You know, he's just in a semi-funk. So hopefully um, he just goes his normal six or seven with, you know, eight to ten strikeouts. Yeah, I'd be happy to see us take two out of three in the series. I wouldn't be happy that has to happen. It has yeah. to be two it or does. three wins in the series. So just you can't, and especially after you underwhelm in the Blue Jays series, you just can't fuck around with this team. You, I mean, come on. Totally agree, but I don't want to be delusional with my expectations these days. No, I think. Well, I mean, I, think I don't want to be disappointed. Two, two out of three oh, is too late. Is extremely, you know, that should happen. Like that's what the matchups indicate. Um, right. And the, you know, I, the pitching is, uh, outside of game one with Giolito is, is extremely favorable. Some bats to look out for, though. Yuan Moncada is finally having that breakout season. Tim Anderson has been one of their steady uh, producers. Jose Abreu is the 3,100 guy that he is every year. Um, Eloy Jimenez, their stud prospect that they got. Um, Actually, I don't know where they got him. I was thinking of Tatis, which was the um, the deal with. Uh, can you remember the pitcher? I can't remember anyone at this point, but um, still a pretty pretty solid lineup. Uh, McCann can absolutely mash, you know, if you hang one. So um, you know, it, you know, they're two games under five hundred, and. I don't think they're going to make a run at that second wild card, but every year one team in the second half just goes crazy. And last year it was Oakland, and they won 97. So uh, I, I don't know if this is a team that, that can do that, but um, it's a team that can be a pain in the ass in a lot of different ways. So, um, you know, hopefully we do our jobs. And then we got the two-game set in London, so... Um, if you guys have nothing else, I'd like to just mention one thing. Um, the hot story right now, and, and we don't have to spend hardly any time on this, <laughs> but um, Mickey Calloway today had a blow up, and he's the manager of the Mets who's been a little embattled. Uh, second season, very talented roster. Team is underperforming big time. They fired their pitching coach earlier in the week, and they thought after they got swept by the lowly Marlins about a month ago that he was like literally hour to hour on when he could be fired, but they ended up keeping him. He got into a blow up today with a Mets beat writer in in Chicago. So they were playing the Cubs in the visitors um, clubhouse and um wasn't a good day, was leaving, and beat writer Tim Healy told him, uh, see you tomorrow, Mickey. And apparently uh, Mickey got offended by that as if to say, maybe I won't be back tomorrow or something, you know, along those lines. So they get into a heated uh, exchange. Apparently Callaway told him to go fuck himself. Uh, no, he called him a motherfucker. That's what the uh, 
<laughs> the thing says. But there's a lot of speculation on what actually was said, other than the fact it was heated. Then it gets a little worse. Um, Jason Vargas, who's like a you know number four or five starting pitcher on the Mets, also chimed in and uh, apparently physically threatened that uh, beat writer. And, uh, and charged at him, right? Didn't uh, he? Yes, they charged had, at him. They had to be had separated. To be held back. Absolutely, they had to be separated. So, uh, this article is on the uh, New York Daily News, which tends to be the more sensational New York publication. If you you know, their details tend to be a little dirtier than anyone else's. So, that's a good place to go for uh, New York baseball and probably football and all other sports as well. Um, so that's just kind of interesting. And Jeremy, do you want to weigh in on that? And I got one super quick. Yeah, just quickly. Every time I think like this season sucks, we're underwhelming. You know, we just can't get over the hump. Dombrowski's not making the right moves. I say to myself, but we're not the Mets. (laughs) They're, they have the most talent on their roster. Just underachieve year after year. I, I, there's three terrible organizations in Major League Baseball: the Marlins, the Angels, and the Mets. You know, it's just absolutely terrible. The Nationals might make a case for that group as well, but I just, yeah, it's just a giant cluster. I, I would, I would, I did you say the Orioles? No, I didn't say the Orioles. I mean, they built a, a decent team, and I thought they kind of overachieved. You know, for some of those years, you know, made it to an ALCS anyway. But and they also have uh, some some of the guys that help build the Astros. So I think it's going to be a while. But four, five, six years from now, that team is going to be a juggernaut. You know, and if that sounds far fetched, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But they got some smart people in their front office, I guess. Um, one last uh, glancing blow, and then we'll call it a night. Um, <laughs> Uh, Andrew Cashman, the uh, general manager of the Yankees, was quoted by, I think, Jack Curry, who is with the Yes Network, which is like the Nesson of the Yankees. And um, Cashman is apparently going to do whatever it takes to land Max Scherzer by the trade deadline. So I can't see it happening. I don't think it makes a ton of sense for... The Nationals, I mean, they got a lot of young talent coming up, and they've got money, you know, to spend if they don't bring back uh, Rendon or, you know, and, and they didn't sign Harper. So, um, and I mean, I think, and I guess ultimately, I think they're going to go into next season with the mindset that they are going to compete for the division or you know, further than that, you know, maybe compete for a World Series. I think that will be their mindset, you know, next opening day. So why deal Max Scherzer? I just don't know that it makes a ton of sense. So step one in negotiations (laughs) is not tell the other team that you're willing to pay every fucking dollar and asset you have to do it. I, I just don't understand this move. It's seems idiotic and maybe it's some sort of overture to the fan base like we know we're slugging we know we have starting pitching problems we're going to fix it and this is how we're going to do it fine i don't have a problem with that 
But why identify the specific player and then say we're willing to do like whatever it takes? Like the Nationals are going to ask for a fuck ton of assets. It it, it it just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, and I'm yeah. I'm sure Cashman is a better negotiator than me, but this just seems like an oddly weird thing to do. Um, which is fine, and I think either it's going to prevent the trade from happening or cause him to overpay to get it. So, and it it would mean, be the latter. Yeah, or, yeah, or, or like you're saying, um, and I think Harper said something about, like, Scherzer's not going anywhere. The Nationals want them to be their first Hall of Famer, and, you know, if that's the case, they probably see his post-career worth more than whatever they could do to trade him, although... The fact that they didn't trade Harper, it's like just goes to show you that they're just stupid. Um, right. So I mean, I, I, I don't, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to go tell someone, "Hey, I want to do this deal, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen." I mean, you just instantly up the value. I mean, I don't understand yeah. it. Right, and I mean, for a package to happen, it's going to be heavily prospect laden. But I think the Nationals are going to want at least one bona fide everyday player because I, I think they're going to compete next year and that I think the major league player would have to be either Glabar Torres or Luke Voigt because they've got so much control left and and then whichever one it ends up being I if they're not going to keep Rendon if they're going to let him go to free agency then I, I think Torres is the um, the likely guy that they're going to target and then you know at least a couple of stud prospects with one or two mid-level guys, you know, at the back end of the package. And for the Yankees standpoint, they do need a Max Scherzer. Like that's what they need. They are not going to win the world series without that type of guy anchoring their rotation. They don't know what they're, they don't know a, if Severino is going to come back this year and not need shoulder surgery and B what's he going to be when he does come back. He doesn't have a sparkling October resume. So I'm not sure he's the guy and none of their current rotation is, I mean, Tanaka has okay postseason numbers, but you never know, and and Paxton never really pitches that deep. I don't know that he. I don't think he even has a postseason start. Uh, so they definitely need a Max Scherzer type guy, and I don't think there's another one on the market. You know, they can get Bumgarner, and he'll be serviceable. But <laughs> I just I don't think the Yankees are going to be able to address that adequately. Yeah, I mean I'm. I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah, so I just it's a long it could potentially be days or weeks out before that gains momentum one way or the other, or it could just get completely shot down. But uh, yeah, I just, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out, though. Yeah, oh, I I don't want to see it. It's you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, if they get them, fuck. I mean, yeah. in the short term, fuck. They may help us in the long term because they may shorten their window if they dump a bunch of prospects into Max Scherzer, but. We're under it as it is. They fix their biggest problem. We're we're in the creek and we don't have a paddle. You know, <laughs> Terry took it from me right before I shoved off from the from the shore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. I guess that's enough. I think we went longer than normal, but I, I had to get those couple of things in, in case anything develops. But 
Uh, all right, so Jeremy, I'll see you Wednesday night, and and uh, we'll just all we have is a two game um, Yankee series to preview on that one. Uh, and then I'll catch you guys after London. Yeah, you'll get to talk about that series with us. Yes. As happier, tragic as as it was, and and Rodriguez and. Porcello are the two guys going in that series. That was announced a couple days yeah. ago, but not terrible. I, I, you know, I think we got a chance to win with both. So, all right, we'll, we'll preview that right, on Wednesday. Good night, everybody. Good night. Have a good night. Episode 145 in the books. Coming up on episode 150, which is kind of a milestone. Hard to believe I've been doing this that long. Um, the week before the 2017 deadline is uh, was the first show I did. So that was when we got Nunez, as I said, and whatnot. So anyway few shows away from that and uh hopefully we'll have a better series against chicago than what we had with um toronto so have a good start to your week everyone take care